The countdown's on, MP. Damo, the biggest and best wellness summit ever is fast approaching. Don't miss out on the entertainment. The education. The edutainment that is the wellness summit. Featuring for the very first time at the summit, the Merrymaker sisters, Carla and Emma Pappas, and the 2013 Bachelor himself, the incredible chiropractor and sharp mover, Mr. Tim Robards, plus all of your wellness couch favorites. And wait for it, Damo. All 22 podcasts on the couch will be in attendance at the summit. Wow. So take your digital wellness couch experience and make it a real-life one at the transformational, inspirational, sensational 16 hours of Powerhouse Wellness Summit at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre. September 10 and 11. More information and tickets available at www.thewellnesssummit.com. Now, before you go, Damo, there's a big competition on as of now. Every single person who registers before a 11.59pm on Sunday, August 14, goes into the draw to win a double pass to the inaugural 2016 Wellness Couch Awards Night. Amazing. You'll join the who's who of the Wellness Couch as we present for the very first time the best new podcast, most popular episode, most popular the host, the best hair, of course, MP, most awkward moment, and many more sensational awards at this night of fun and wellness frivolity. But you must enroll, folks, by August 14. Tickets at thewellnesssummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Christoph, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness to our lives. Today, we are without Damien, but we actually have our own naturopath on the call today. Damien is our, our, our sort of a naturopath and nutritionist in our uh, The Wellness Guys Show. But after five years, um, we thought we'd give someone else a try. No, we're, just we're joking. Sick, we're sick of him. Yeah, we're going to replace him. Get someone else on board. Shannon, if you do a good job, we'll just keep you on. We'll, I'll, I'll bump him. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, we're going to love to introduce you to uh, Shannon Brenton. Shannon Brenton um, is a naturopath and a nutritionist um he's uh he's been working he's actually famous for working with a lot of chronic disease and right now what's really interesting is that uh he's worked a lot with obviously with um general public but he's actually w- worked with the 2014 winning championship uh, uh the rabbitos which was the nrl team uh, as a nutritionist there so that which is going to be we might dive into that and today we're going to be talking about adrenal um adrenal dysfunction adrenal fatigue but what's really it's awesome that i'm um, really thank you for taking the time to do this shannon because uh, matt murphy uh who we interviewed on episode 259 i think um who's the obstacle race and champion um uh, he he put me in touch with you and and if you ever take a look at his website, you can see like Shannon is just built. And uh, Brett and I were just talking about we're aspiring to to become like him. But he's actually traveling around the Australia right now, two to three years in a caravan with his family, with three kids. And uh, thank you for taking the time to join us on the Walls Guys show as you travel around this beautiful country. Thank you, boys. Great to be here. So I guess the first question I have for you, Shannon, is uh, let's talk a little bit about your history, man. How did you get involved in, in, into becoming a naturopath and nutritionist? Like what, what made you aspire, you know, aspire to, to do that? Oh, look, let's start from the very beginning. Um, I was a very sickly child. Um, I was one of the you know, rare people that had um, very severe vaccination reactions as a child. And uh, this wasn't picked up at the time because no one really assumed that vaccination reactions were, were a common thing, which of course at the time they weren't. And um, my mum took me to uh, our doctor for my 25th or 26th course of antibiotics and I was sub two years of age and um, fortunately there was a locum on this day and he looked at me and reviewed my case and looked at mum and looked at me again and went on to tell mum that I was basically um, 
being killed and that we needed to find a different way to address my issues. So um, that took us um, to the road or down the road of alternate health uh, when, you know, this is the day when health food stores sold licorice sticks and there wasn't really too much option as far as uh, health treatment went um, from an alternative um, position. That found us uh, chiropractic, which you boys will be thrilled about. So from the age of two, I was seeing um, a guy down in Sydney at the time uh, who was an exceptional chiropractor uh, who put us onto a homeopath as well. And with the two of them, that got me back to full health by the time I was you know, around three. So from that time, um, alternate health was just the way we did things. And of course, being three years of age, I didn't know otherwise. And as I grew up, I always wanted to be a chiropractor. And uh, that shifted and changed a couple of times through, through the years. And um, yeah, I finished school and uh, went and did six years at uni. And here I am. So I've pretty much just followed a path that was shown to me. And, and by many ways, it feels like it chose me rather than me, me, you know, me choosing it. So naturopath and nutritionist, as you said, six years at university. Um, sometimes I feel like people aren't quite sure what the difference is between a naturopath, a nutritionist, a dietitian. You know, there, there's a lot of sort of, I guess, similar but very different fields as well. So tell us a bit about naturopathy and nutri- being a nutritionist, and exactly what they are and what the difference is between the two. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, nutrition is something you study as a naturopath. Naturopathy itself is an umbrella term, Brett. So uh, it really is a term that uh, allows for, you know, a multifactorial approach. It's almost a blanket, so to speak, where we can, um, you know, assess and treat dysfunction and and bring people back to a state of wellness without the need for pharmaceutical intervention. Um, I personally work with a lot of doctors. So I work with, as a matter of fact, a lot of doctors, a lot of surgeons, uh, a lot of specialists. So uh, I certainly lean on the medical profession a lot as far as diagnostics goes and and pathology, of course. Uh, And then, you know, we go on to basically... Uh, identify issues with people that are more causative. So rather than simply using a medication to uh, mask a symptom or control a symptom, uh, which sometimes is necessary, we're looking at what actually is it that's caused this and we go through a process of identification and treatment through non-pharmaceutical measures to correct these dysfunctions. Shannon, obviously one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about today is your, your special interest right now is in adrenal dysfunction. Um, talk to us what actually, what does adrenal dysfunction actually mean? Well, adrenal dysfunction is an interesting one. I'm glad you asked that because there's a real disconnect uh, in our world, unfortunately, and it is between um, people like myself and the medical system, which is disappointing and um, more than anything disappointing and hard for um, the patient uh, that gets caught in the battle of the disconnect. But basically, um, when you're looking at the adrenals and the adrenal glands, they're they're essentially uh, the bottom end of our endocrine system, which control and regulate our reaction to stress and inflammation. So um, I won't bore people with the the complexity of it, but essentially we've got what we call the HPA axis, which is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which alongside with various other endocrine tissue will regulate the way the body perceives our external world. So when we're looking at stress, um, stress isn't just, you know, nail-biting activity of worrying about, you know, paying your daily bills. Stress is more to do with, you know, an external stimuli that can be, you know, biochemical, can be emotional, can be mental, can even be sub and unconscious, of course, but it can be, you know, a a nutritional process or any stress or any external stimuli that forces our body to fall out of its normal operating zones. Does that make sense? So... It seems like we're seeing a lot more of it, Shannon. It seems like uh, you know adrenal fatigue, adrenal stress is something that's happening so much more in our modern society. What are the biggest culprits? What's going on? 
Yeah, look, it's I don't I don't think we're actually seeing more. I think that we're living in times where people are being exposed to different ways of viewing their health, and uh, I guess the the great disconnect and the easiest way to answer that is that when doctors are trained or when we even go to a you know a trained GP and we start talking about non-specific symptoms you know like fatigue and low blood pressure and dizziness and you know cognitive issues like confusion and brain fog and these sorts of things they fall into a a, a category of um, of listed symptoms that aren't actually attached to a disease process that someone can give you a tablet to fix so in this the big issue is that we live in stressful times, that goes without saying, and we're at the beck and call of, you know, um, food technologists and, you know, the, the, the growing of food and, you know, there's so many things that are outside of our control that unfortunately stress our body. But when you come down to it, uh, I think that a lot of the triggers as well will be things like uh, social media. You know, social media wasn't around even, you know, what, 15 years ago. And so um, I don't know if people are aware of the effect of social media, but a lot of, um, you know, neurotransmitter responses now um, altering in dopamine levels and serotonin levels in response to this addictive nature with how we live in social times. But, you know, I think it's important for people to understand, guys, that our bodies are always stressed, okay? So it doesn't matter whether, you know, I punch you in the nose or whether you have you know, a problem at home with your husband or wife, the body regulates that the same way. And we basically have pre-programmed set points within our endocrine system that um, are managed via the relationship between our nervous system and our brain. So the brain's continually picking up stress within the body and then seeking to reset these set points or reset this homeostatic response or um, constant internal environment so our body can work at its most efficient rate. Back to your question, Brett, about, you know, like why is it worse now? Firstly, like I said, I think that there's just more awareness around it. Um, secondly, you know, we're, we're living in times when people are actually uh, okay to talk about how they feel, which is different than the way things were, so less suppression emotionally. And thirdly, it's coming to the phase now where um, I think people are just completely dissatisfied with the ways modern medicine is viewing their body. Uh, and this is the disconnect between uh, disease and wellness, of course, and you know, like you guys have got your show all about wellness, but wellness isn't a thing. You know, wellness is a is a um, a coined phrase that means that we're living in you know in a space and living in a in a body that's functioning well and we feel great and we're in this really nice, balanced, connected vibration. But when you start looking at disease, unless you can label a disease state to it and have treatment, there's a whole bunch of conditions, including adrenal fatigue, that fall in that wayside. Now, to explain adrenal fatigue. Our bodies are designed and have evolved over the years to basically keep us alive. So when we're looking at the stress response, stress itself is, is you know, an, an endocrine seeking to keep our body alive during a peak stimuli. So back in the day, that was chasing lions and tigers. And so we'd have this massive HPA response. We'd get big surges of our glucocorticoids, such as cortisol, which would you know force our body to get us up that tree. And then, of course, the stress would go away, and then our brain would pick up from our nervous system that tiger's gone, and everything would seek to go into this state of um, um, of balance again. The problem in this day and age is that that doesn't happen. And, you know, you've only got to look where you are down there, Lawrence. You know, in Sydney, you've got the, the median house price now is a million dollars, right? So mm. people are coming out of school or uni, and if you want to buy a property, you've got to go and buy your property. Women can't just be stay-at-home mums anymore that, you know, make lunches and get kids off the school bus. Everyone's working full-time jobs. Everyone's trying to, you know, keep up with the Joneses. Everyone's more stressed than ever before just living in this world. And it's this dysregulation of our sympathetic and parasympathetic 
parasympathetic nervous systems that lead our adrenals to a state of impairment. You know, you mentioned the statement, um, you know, a few minutes ago, you were saying that we're always in a state of stress. And, and I get that. So, in, in, I guess the, the question for me, it would be is that, do you think that since we're obviously in a state of constant state of stress, and there's always going to be, you know, I always talk about how five years from now, our, our state of stress is going to be worse than we are currently, uh, just like we are more stressed now than we were five years ago. Do you think that there's a, a, a human mechanism that or have there studies been showing that there's actually adaptability into that in, in, in terms of the way we handle that stress response in our body? Because the st- stress response is going to happen no matter what. But do we actually are we adapting as a society uh, towards that? Or do we need to find ways to uh, regulate that better? Or, that, you know. that's, a, that's a very good question, and I'll answer it in two parts. The first part is, yes, there is adaptability, uh, and that is the job of our, of our nervous systems and our adrenal glands. And this is you know, the fact that we're under stress all the time. The body is always seeking to adapt. And so it's important for people to understand that before you get to the point of adrenal dysfunction or adrenal fatigue, there are multiple phases of that adaptive process that occur in the meantime. So at first, under the uh, auspice of the sympathetic nervous system, we've got the body driving you know, its adaptive function. And this adaptive function can go on for many, many years. But unfortunately, what happens through the state of dysregulation is we get to a point where the adrenal glands can't continue to work at the same rate. Um, these hormones are basically scavenging everywhere they can in order to maintain this production of cortisol. And you know, just an interesting side point for women, one of the main signs of adrenal dysfunction for women is menstrual impairment because um, all hormones can be asexual. So basically what happens is our body will go through what we call a progesterone steal where it will convert progesterone into cortisol uh, in order to um, maintain this stress response and as a result we now start to get a relative estrogen to progesterone imbalance and for women the first sign of stress will often be what's happening with their menstrual cycle so getting on to your next point um, is there uh, what, what was it you said Lawrence you said is there a way to fix this or well it's it's two 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 I guess questions is one is is are we as a as human beings are we adapting to it or is there signs that we're actually adapting and if if so if if not, I guess is the question is, you know, which I'm sure we'll go into is what are some of the ways that we need to start doing so that we can actually control it as best we can in a sense of the adaptability and monitoring our adaptability to that stress? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Look, I would say there's more signs that we're maladapting, to be honest with you. Mm. That maladaption itself can even be shown through disease progression. You look at things like chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, um, Crohn's disease. Look at the rate and rise of diabetes, all these conditions which are inflammatory by default. And we've got to understand that cortisol or, you know, prednisone, it's, a, it's an anti-inflammatory hormone. It's when this hormone becomes so low that the body is unable to actually control its inflammatory uh, markers anymore. Now we start to actually get physiological signs of disease. So those progressions of adaption goes through the alarm phase. So basically the body is like, right, I'm under low, what do I do? And the sympathetic nervous system switches on and it seeks to deal with the stress, much like the person running away from the tiger. Unfortunately, when the stress isn't a tiger chasing you and the stress is, you know, a child on drugs, when the stress is a, you know, a 60-hour work week that we hate, when the stress is a marriage that we maintain or stay in despite our unhappiness because it's financially sound and safe for us, when these stresses are continual, the body will stay in this alarm phase and it's through the alarm phase being on for too long that we go into the maladapt where the body can no longer maintain itself anymore. So the cortisol is high during these states and in the exhaustion phases, cortisol drops, 
body can't control inflammation anymore. The body will show signs of disease at this point, which obviously this is the phase where doctors will jump in and give you treatment for the disease, despite the fact that pre-markers that precipitated these diseases have been happening for five or so years and could have been dealt with at that time. Now, you asked the question, Lawrence, you know, what do we do about this? Um, and now that's, that, that's a difficult one in many ways because firstly, we've got to be realistic that we live in stressful times. Secondly, we have to be realistic that we do have to pay that mortgage and we do have that child with a drug problem and we do have issues with our relationships and all that stuff isn't going to go away. But the way of dealing with it, of course, is you know through strategic measures of the activation of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the, you know like your, your rest and digest aspect rather than the fight and flight aspect of the sympathetic nervous system that allows our body time to go back into this ultimately balanced state of being able to deal with stress itself. So in terms of, I guess, uh, you know, the tangible things, like what do we need to be careful of? Like I know, you know, we were talking before, I've started doing CrossFit at the moment yeah. and, uh, and, you know, I feel like, you know, if I go too hard into that whilst at the same time, um, you know, being busy at work and having other stresses at home and, you know, if I'm not careful with my diet and my mindset and all those sort of things, then, you know, then it could start pushing me towards adrenal fatigue, you know. So, what do I, how, do I, how do I monitor that? How do I be careful of that and make sure that I'm, you know, still pushing myself, still getting the best out of my body, still achieving in my life, but at the same time not overdoing it? You know, how do you find the balance? Absolutely. Look, I'd like to answer that by saying, Brett, that you, like everyone else, have an innate relationship with your own body. And I think that a lot of where people go wrong is they actually don't ask their body how it feels. Mm. <laughs> I know it sounds strange, yeah. but you know, I, I do this every night. Every single night I go for a 5K walk and I ask myself, how do you feel today, mate? How was today for you? And I actually go through a process of what I call checking in. But it's just sort of staying um, you know, um, connected to me and what's happening for me at that moment. Now, I've got three children. Um, I live in a 23-foot caravan while I travel Australia doing great things. You know, and obviously, that brings with it stress. So um, you know, this morning, for instance, I woke up and I felt really, really fatigued. And I was going to go to the gym this morning and I would ask myself, what do you need, body? <laughs> you know, you know, what do you need? It's, it's, it's an intrinsic connection. And I think that um, that's a good example that you use there, Brett. With exercise, I view exercise two ways. Exercise will either be the most amazing cardiorespiratory process you'll ever do and something like CrossFit where you're building muscle and burning fat and, you know, it's a great family and great culture. So you're meeting people and it's, it's really ticking a lot of those boxes. It can be that way. But exercise can also be a self-shaming process where one goes there like, oh, I've got to go and train because I'm fat or I've got to go and do CrossFit today because I'm sick or, I, I, no, sorry, because I'm, um, I'm weak or I don't have enough muscle or, you know, oh, I can't let my partner down. So we, we tend to externalize a lot of our decisions based upon the need of others versus the, the need of ourselves. So I'm always someone that says, you know, um, like something like CrossFit's amazing. But I'll just use a woman as an example. If you're on day one of your menstrual cycle and you've had a really heavy period and you've gone through, you know, six to eight super pads today and a whole bunch of tampons and you're feeling dreadful, do you need to go and throw a bar around at CrossFit box this afternoon? Hmm. Is that what your body's asking for? If you feel low, if you feel flat, if you've been craving sugar all day, if you've been going through, you know, and typically for women at menstruation, they get a big dip in serotonin, which is why they crave carbohydrates because they'll uh, increase their tryptophan production and convert that to serotonin. So our body is always wanting to self-manage and self-regulate. And if we can just listen to the symptoms and the signs that it's giving us, we'll always know the answer. And I, I can join up for CrossFit now and say so I'm going to go, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday every week. 
But what happens, you know, next Thursday morning if my mum gets hospitalised, you know, on Wednesday night and, you know, I'm beside myself with stress and didn't sleep much that night, is CrossFit what I need, you know? Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of it for me is about a couple of things. It's about being mindful, which I know is an extremely cliche term these days, but it has um, – a lot of right in its own sense. People aren't in their bodies enough. People aren't in their moment enough. And it's like Eckhart Tolle phrases it the best for me. He says, stress is being here but wanting to be there. And I think that really characterizes modern times. Everyone's always ahead of themselves. They're tripping over themselves with the amount of stuff they need to do. They're thinking about CrossFit tomorrow while they're driving home in the car today. And I think that a lot of the time, if we can actually be in that moment, it makes a lot of sense. If we can, you know, like, you know what? Food's a good example. The amount of gut dysfunction that I treat with people who eat really well um, but eat when they're stressed. When you're stressed, your gut doesn't want to metabolize nutrients. Your gut wants to stick all its blood in its arms and legs and in its head so it can punch, kick, scream and run away from whatever's trying to attack it. So people who are in constant stress states, they get constant reductions in, in, in nutrition. They get a, a drop, significant drop in, in micronutrients you know, like magnesium and zinc and B6 and B5 and vitamin C. And they happen to be the exact nutrients that the adrenal glands require long term for help. Um, people then go home and, and one of the ways to deal with stress is they crack a bottle of plonk open and they have two or three glasses of wine or a couple of beers. This is further depleting our body. It's further affecting our cortisol production. So I think that a lot of our stress is actually, number one, what we're exposed to and number two, how we deal with it. Now, so we talked about Damien earlier uh, where, he, you know, he, I think as we were talking about him, I think he woke up in the middle of the night. It's actually like 4.40 in the morning for him where, where he's at. And uh, he's texting me. <laughs> and, uh, he wants Wait, to get uh, in. He, he's, he feels like his job <laughs> is, uh, is, uh, is being, being lost here. Don't worry, Damien. We, we're, not, we're not bumping you up. But, uh, uh, love, he, love you, Damien. You're right, mate. <laughs> so Damien actually has a question. And uh, half the stuff he wrote, I have no idea. And I don't even understand what he's trying to say. So it is early for him. But I, I do want to throw this out there because he's sort of mentioning he, um, uh, talking about um, the flattening cortisone levels and he talked about the uh, maybe due to the underlying possible immune activity so i think what he's talking about is the is that you know the 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 adrenal dysfunction you're talking about is that it's an underlying i think you kind of mentioned this is that it's not just one thing it's like a combination of things that that's actually happening and we need to look further how does it relate to immune function is it is it that possibly that the, the the cortisol levels are actually being affected by underlying autoimmune or immune system issue that people are not even looking at absolutely 100 percent. and this is where you're looking at the fact that you know the the great bulk you know they say 70 or 70 plus percent of our immune system is regulated by what we call our gut associated lymphoid tissue so our gut is responsible for regulating the rate of inflammation um, and immunity in our body so even when you've got um, uh, underlying gut issues and an increase in antibodies with food allergens and these sorts of things they're sending you know inflammatory markers from our immune system that result in an increase in cortisol. So you, you can be living in a uh, you know, $5 million home on the beach with no stress in the world and three very well-rounded and established children that are great and everyone loves each other, but your stress can simply be coming absolutely from an underlying immune dysfunction that's causing the state of autoimmunity to occur or immunity to occur. That's causing the inflammation, therefore the impairment long-term in cortisol production. Mm. 
That's 100% true. So this, this, is, this is my point for saying at the beginning that stress isn't sitting around biting your nails about what you think is a problem in your life right now. Our bodies are always stressed. And this is where, like for me in, in clinical practice, I do a lot of, um, of food allergy testing for that reason. And I'll give you a little example. Um, like with a lot of athletes that I work with, I'll do allergy testing. And like I had one come in last week where this person had a, a severe intolerance to kale, uh, had a moderate intolerance to broccoli. So right there, we've got two products which right now are all the rage and things like broccoli which are really high in sulforaphane which is an exceptional you know um, uh, an exceptional antioxidant that really is one of our best antioxidants that we all should be having this person is having an absolute IgA mediated immune response to broccoli so despite the stress that's happening in our psychosocial world that's a good example and thank you for uh, bringing that up Damien where a person can most definitely be stressed from eating broccoli or kale, despite the fact that everything else in their life is fine. And what about perception, though? Because obviously, you know, sometimes it can be not necessarily what's going on in your environment, but the way you're perceiving what's going on in your environment that can have an impact on your stress response as well, can't it? Well, you're going right back to the 1930s now, uh, <laughs> which, which is basically where stress was first coined by, I forget the name, I think his name was... Um, uh, Sally. Sol- That's him, yeah, exactly right. Canadian, no, by the way, just, just saying... Um, but he was the one that basically coined stress in the time he was looking at this you know adaptive phase and the way the body dealt with stress and one of his great um one of his great experiments was uh, exactly on that, Brett, where he was looking at uh, what he um, described later as eustress, eustress, and eustress is basically the, um, the, the premise that what happens to you and what happens to me might not be stressful. And the way that was actually worked out was through a parachute study where they took um, um, things like cortisol and DHEA testing and, and a whole bunch of other uh, adrenal tests and stress response um, tests uh, with the parachute instructor versus the parachute person who was going to be hooked up and jump out of the plane for the first time. And they found that the, ins- they found that the instructor actually had a fairly significant peak in stress response the night before the jump. So this was measured 12 hours before the jump mm-hmm. and they put that down to you know, an anticipatory response. And then the day of the jump when he was in the plane and they were saying, right, you know, 100 meters to the jump, site, um, he had relatively low levels of, of stress hormones, whereas the, the person who was jumping for the first time had no issues the night before because they had nothing to anticipate because they didn't know how it was going to feel. And then, you know, um, you know, a kilometer from the jump site, their stress hormones were through the roof. So that was where eustress was basically coined. And they were looking at the fact that you're exactly right, that um, you might find something stressful that that I find, you know, weird and wonderful and amazingly exciting. Uh, the effect on the body can be similar, but you've got to understand that in a eustress state like that, generally our um, circadian response with our stress hormones re-regulates quicker than a person who's in a chronic stress pattern for a long period of time. Mm, I love that. That's well, just fascinating stuff here. Um, so one of the key things that you talked about, what are some of the best practical, because we're just about like maybe three, four minutes left. What is the most practical advice that you can give our listeners right now to start implementing or start being aware of um, in their in their lives? And also would love to, because you got three kids, let's talk about kids as well. Maybe um, some things that we should be observing in, in our kids and how do we actually move, you know, towards making sure that they develop into adulthood with the best possible way to, you know, I guess, prevent or at least manage uh, the, the stresses on in life. 
Well, kids are a product of their environment, uh, Lawrence. And mm. you know, like like anyone will tell you that kids will always mirror their parents. So, the more stressed a parent or the more stressed the dynamic in a relationship in a household, the more the kids will be pinging off that energy itself. Um, that's one thing I'd like to say as far as children go. Now, the other thing I'll say about kids, though, is that their stresses are negligible compared with ours. So unless you've got a child that lives in a house where you know there's um, you know, an unhappy marriage or you've got a child that's being molested or something like that, their stresses are, are quite low. So their stresses are more you know, like the one that happens when you fall off your scooter and graze your knee and the one when your sister won't give you, you know, uh, your you know, dory fish back or whatever else it might be. So their stresses are more acute and then return back to a normal state. And children, like all of us, seek love, want to love and want to feel safe. And so they get lots of cuddles and laying on the lounge and get their head stroked and so they really sort of work in a more um, uh, more authentic state really as far as the body goes where they just do what their body wants at that time. Remember when I said before about CrossFit, you know, like if you wake up tomorrow and you're tired, you don't go. Well, kids wake up tomorrow and they're tired, they don't do anything. They're very, very smart like that. Um, what was the other part of your question, Lawrence? Oh, what can people do? Okay. Here's what people can do. If I've got to give like a couple of key points, okay, because we're essentially looking here at the battle between sympathetic and parasympathetic dominance. We're in a sympathetic state when we're stressed and go, 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 and lots going on and lifting heavy weights and doing these things. It'll consistently drive this sympathetic state. So <clears throat> here's a couple of key points. And you put me on the spot here, and I could probably think of 10 more in five minutes. But right now, I'm going to give you a couple of things that people can do right now. First thing, be aware of breathing. Breathing is really, really important. When we're in a sympathetic state, we breathe very shallow and we breathe incorrectly. So breathing into the diaphragm rather than expanding it, et cetera, et cetera. We now obviously become you know, partly low in oxygen, which exacerbates some of the symptoms of fatigue, but people do not breathe. So one of the best ways to activate the parasympathetic nervous system is to actually sit down, close your eyes, and focus on the process of breathing. And people can Google that, you know, what's appropriate breathing. There's lots of breathing systems out there people can do. But <clears throat> I'll give you an example. I've had obese patients, and obesity is one of my specialties, obviously, because it's, it's chronic, but I've had obese patients beforehand who have come to me just so out of kilter that the first week of treatment that I've given them is simple parasympathetic activation via breathing alone, and with that alone, with no exercise and diet, most of them will lose two to three kilos in the first week. So that'll, that'll give you an indication about how significant this deactivation of sympathetic activity can be on our bodies and our body's subsequent disease states. Um, so um, breathing is a really important one. The second one is the mindfulness. It's trying to be present at each moment you're there. It's about being mindful of the fact that if I'm sitting down having my breakfast now, I'm eating my breakfast, I'm physically masticating food, I'm swallowing the food, I'm drinking my water, you know, I'm, I'm not up in, the, up in the bedroom already brushing my teeth and, and getting dressed. People have too much going on. And like Eckhart Tolle said, it's all about you know, being here but wanting to be there. It's this elevation and, and, and driving forward of our, of our mental activity that tends to make us more stressed. So that would be probably my, my other primary aspect. My third one, which will probably take people a bit by surprise, um, it's quite colloquial, but it's very, very important, have more fun. I can't tell you how many people I have to say, when did you last have fun? And they can't answer me. 
You know, when did you last do something that just blew your skirt up, something that was amazing that you love, you know? When did you last catch up with that best friend? Or there's just such disconnect in the world now, boys, and that's part of the reason why people are stressed. You go to a cafe and everyone's on their bloody phone. You know, you, you go out for dinner, everyone's on their phone. Everyone's clicking that Facebook app in, in this constant, you know, excitatory anticipation that, you know, there might be a new blog. Everyone's trying to stay relevant in this moment. And if people can actually start to, you know, be here and now and have authentic communication with people without the need necessarily just to drive it all online. And if people can spend that time with their children at the park, staying off their phone, being at the park, pushing their child on the swing, being in their body now, being with their child now and knowing that in three or four minutes we might be driving home and then we can focus on the process of driving. That would that would be my best advice. You know what I love about those answers that, you know, you're a naturopath and you're a nutritionist and those top three answers had nothing to do with food. Nothing. And, you know, which is amazing, you know, because that's typically where most people's answer would go to. And, and I really appreciate that. I appreciate your honesty. And, and I think those are fantastic um, advice. Um, but, but more importantly, that I think it's it's so simple, but yet so hard to implement. And, and it's about being constantly aware. It's about that mindfulness, as you mentioned, is being mindful about your mindfulness. And yeah. so uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. It's just been it's great chatting with you and, and some great insights there. And uh, Damien even got a chance to jump in on here without uh, – without being here so uh, uh where where can people find you know obviously it'd be hard to find you because you're moving around all the time but uh where where can people find more about you and what you're doing um a few spots i'm running my own podcast around the country called caravanconversations.com which will come out with the uh the first episode next week got lots of great things on there i'm hooking up with you know surgeons and doctors and now um, celebrities and trainers and athletes and the like and you know talking all things success in their worlds um so that's one place um shannonbrenton.com is my prime site um pse.com.au forward slash clinic is the spot where all my bookings for consultations are done um, and on the PSC site so PSC supplements one of my companies um, I'll actually have a, a full adrenal system on there in the next few weeks where people can actually um, go through a, an adrenal program have all the um, required pathology done to have a look at their actual state of adrenal health right now and then allow me to actually give them individualized treatment protocols to bring them back to full health that's awesome and uh, for those of you driving uh, don't don't crash your car or anything just make sure we'll put all these uh, links in, in the show notes so that you can actually get access to it I'm looking forward to listening to your podcast I know that uh, you're on the road and, and been interviewing a lot of people so it'd be great to kind of get some insights there Shannon thank you so much again really appreciate it for you being on the Wellness Guys show guys uh, for those listeners right now join us on Facebook I'd love to hear your thoughts about what Shannon has to say uh, like us on Facebook while you're there make sure you share this podcast with your friends and families and other strangers you think need a wellness update and subscribe to us on itunes and while there give us a great rating be authentic about it and so leave a comment on itunes until next week begin creating wellness into your lives lead by example and let's change the world's health together join us next week on the wellness guy show this has been a production of the check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.